Hey guys, this is Danny Wallace. Welcome to another episode of Time for Us. We've got a lot to discuss. Come and join me for Time for Us. That's an attempted jingle. Um, I'm working on it and I will continue to work on it until we get something that we think is absolutely banging. Anyways, welcome back. Today we have another mini episode, mini episode two, as I like to call it. To describe what a mini episode is for you, in essence, it's a 20 to 30 minute rap battle between me and myself, covering topics that are relevant to me, epiphanies that I've had, thoughts that I'm having, believe it or not, I have thoughts. I have many of them. So if you ever catch me on an off day, or you catch me with a slightly glazed look in my eyes, or a bit of a moody temperament, let's just chalk it up to I'm probably thinking about something. And let me tell you, it's fucking annoying that that's how I am. But luckily, I'm doing something constructive with it and coming onto this podcast to rap to y'all, rap to you. I like to imagine it as if it's Eminem's 8 Mile, you know the movie, except that on the stage in the overcrowded rap battling room, we have Danielle on the one mic and then on the other mic we have also Danielle. So kind of get that visual in your head. You get what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? I kind of like it. I kind of like this theory. I like this. I like this look. So that's kind of what I feel like goes on in my head when I come up with these mini episodes. But let me stop talking a load of crap to you and get into something a little bit more somber. Maybe not somber, but a little bit more the entire fucking reason I decided to record this podcast, which is what I'm going to talk to you about today, guys. And that's the topic of reconciling past versions of yourself. What a wordy phrase. Let me repeat that. Reconciling past versions of yourself. So what do I mean by that? Great question, Danielle. Let me get back to you. What I mean by that is to forgive, love, and accept the person or the persons that you were in the past. This is something that I've been struggling with and always struggle with. I just don't know why. But I think we'll understand why a little bit more as we unpack it in this podcast. So how I see it, when I reflect on my various life stages, I can see in my mind's eye the person that I was at the time. I can see how I looked. I can see how I behaved. I remember how I felt about myself and about others, how I treated others, how I treated myself. And when I look back on my life and I imagine these different little versions of Danny and I have this collection of Danielle's, a bouquet of Danielle's if you will, some fragrant and beautiful, others thorny and frightening, I kind of stand with my arms embracing this collection or this beautiful bouquet, this eclectic bouquet and I've started asking myself, I guess the whole point of this podcast now is like, what do I do with this? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? So let me contextualize this for you a little bit more. I just got back from Durban this week. And the reason I bring that up is because I was raised in Durban. I lived in Durban for a lot of my childhood. I lived in Durban jeepers. I mean, I kind of I basically grew up there. My parents 
we're married there, which fucking all, mate. That's about the equivalent of me saying I lived in Durban when dinosaurs roamed the earth, now that I think about it. <laughs> so that was a very, very long time ago. I was three years old when they were married. I mean, even younger, and they got divorced when I was three. Crikey, Moses. But it was Yonks, needless to say, Yonkaloonies. And aside from the childhood baby aspect, I was there in my primary school years, high school years. I did university there. I studied there. I had my first real job there. I had my first proper corporate job there. Um, Yeah, so I've been there over very, very different stages in my life. I left Durban in 2019, which isn't that long ago now that we think about it. We're coming on to four years. Praised be! Praise the Lord! (laughs) Jokes aside, also not joking, kind of joking, definitely not joking. But yes, I left Durban in 2019 and in all honesty, I have avoided going back there with all my might. I think I was... Basically, I ran away from Durban is how it kind of felt now that I've been away for four years and have gone back. Just to clarify, I have been back twice, so that's still not really not that much. That's once every two years. <laughs> it's not a lot. It is not a lot. And the last time, before this time I went, I went back with backup, babe. I did not go back on my own. I went back with Aaron, my boyf, which thank the Pope for him. This time around, I was alone in the ring. I went back on my own and that has been a wild, wild experience. Needless to say, I have been processing a lot. I think that there's almost steam coming out my ears with the amount of cogs that have been turning up in this noggin and the amount of things I've been like, people poppy, like calculating, you know, making sense of reconciling, which is the key word of this podcast. And yeah, I mean, sidebar, I'm pretty sure that this whole incident is related to a stomach bug issue that I've just had. So the reason this podcast is late is because I only got back from Durban on Sunday and then Monday, I was hungover, to be frank. I was hungover on Sunday, Monday, dead in the water, and I've had like this weird, intense stomach issue. And what I know about myself in my 30 years on this planet is that whenever I'm having an issue in my life, like emotionally, it is so deeply connected to my gut. So when I'm feeling like my world is upside down or I I can't manage, my stomach without fail just conks out on me. And that's basically what's happened. So I've had to lick my wounds and you know, here I am, I'm recording the podcast and I'm not going to ramble on about my stomach any longer. But I just think to me, it's noteworthy because it, it's highlighting how much this has impacted me. If I can describe to you what going back to Durban is like, it is like going back or revisiting a recurring dream. That's how it feels to me. It's this bizarre combination of feelings. One being, I've been here before. This feels very familiar. I kind of recognize this place. And then the other one being this intense awareness of being a foreign object. So it's like this combination of familiarity and 
just foreignness as well like being like I don't really belong here I'm not sure if I'm made of the same materials as this world that I seem to be in but I'm here and wow do I belong I'm not really sure going back to Durban everywhere I go in Durban is steeped in so much memory for me and I must highlight you know the tiny young child memories layered with teen memories layered with adult memories so one single place can have multiple memories all just layered on top of it and in a way experiencing that is kind of like having all these versions of myself running concurrently including the one that's me at the moment standing there as well so it's quite a lot and like basically it's just extremely overwhelming it has the sensation of clamminess, of weightiness, of like mugginess. And that's the perfect analogy or equivalent to describe the Durban climate. Isn't that funny? It's like the Durban climate accurately and perfectly describes how I feel being there. Like slightly suffocated, overwhelmed, and just like I can't really see straight. It's like the atmosphere has this texture to it and leaves me feeling or reminded that I'm like wading through all these past lives that I've had. So, you know, I actually have forgotten how many years I spent in Durban and it's only through preparing for this podcast and having just recently been there and processing a lot and seeing family and old friends that I've realized how much my years there have molded me and in fact how many motherfucking years I spent there and it's like no wonder <laughs> I was so hard on myself for wanting to never go back there but now that I'm doing this podcast which is so cathartic for me and I'm so grateful that I have the platform to do this so thank you for even listening whoever is listening but I'm also just like no wonder I never wanted to go back and no wonder it was so difficult for me and all I've ever done has been so hard on myself for running away as I felt like it was. So on that note of being reminded of my life, <laughs> I think that it's fair to say I have had a challenging upbringing and I'm going to dig into this a bit but not in all the gory details. And the reason is that, number one, it forms the basis of my ongoing self-perception. That's just the truth. And then number two, it underpins my like bad behavior. And I say bad in inverted commas that I perceive as, or other people may have perceived as when I was a child or a teen. And based on that, like those bad behaviors or those actions or those that way of being that I had embodied back when I was younger and I was none the wiser, I have a lot of like disgrace and shame that I feel around those past versions of myself. So I think it's worth discussing them or, or highlighting what these challenges were because, yeah, they, to me, helped me at least rationalize why I feel this way about the bouquet of Danielle's that we're looking down at. Okay, here it goes. And I'm not going to lie to you. I have had so much anxiety while recording this um it's stressing me out but 
I think that it is an, a version of therapy that I'm currently undergoing. So to summarize some of the things, not all, not everything, but a few standout things. My parents, as I mentioned earlier, were divorced when I was about three. And that's not very unfamiliar to a lot of families or not a lot of people. But as we all know, that brings upon instability, uncertainty, and can be really, really destabilizing for a child. And I think for me, I am an only child between my parents. So that heightened that sense of like intense displacement. I didn't have any siblings and it really highlighted this feeling of being literally like a rugby ball tossed between any place or any hands that would catch me. It kind of had that feeling to it. Also being an only child left me extremely, extremely lonely. I, I think one of the greatest gifts I have as a human being and that has enabled me to write so honestly and speak so honestly is the depths of loneliness I experienced as a child. Um, it's quite a thing to even articulate now, but I can give you a little bit of a history to that. When I was in primary school, maybe grade six and grade seven, I was living with my mom who had sole custody of me. She unfortunately was just not mentally able to take care of me and she had a drinking problem at the time. So when I turned 13 and I was able to elect which parent I wanted to live with, I opted to living with my dad and I moved with my dad or moved in to live with my dad when I was 13. And I did my high schooling with my dad basically as soon as I could. So aside from that whole other story I just told you, I think being 13 and being basically like a young adult, those are still very formative years, even though you're not a child. Those are very formative years in terms of how you, I guess, construct a lot of the mask or the way that you present yourself into the world. A lot of your personality, a lot of your social skills, I think, develop from those teen years. And I think we all have memories of how scarring things can be in those years specifically. We're very fragile creatures when we're in our teens. And my dad and I never really got along, to be honest. We never really got along when I was little or not little when I was like in my teens. We, we actually got along like a house on fire when I was tiny, when I was a baby. But my dad's not, he's not an adult dad. He has never been like a, he's not a teen dad. He's like a young child dad. And then as soon as it's, as though you can, you start developing your own sense of personality or your own ideas he couldn't really handle that or process that that well. So we were quite distant from one another, which I only mention in order to speak to the, the feeling of being very, very lonely. Because even in a household where I had a parent, it still felt as if I was kind of on my own. So like, for example, my dad was engaged to a lady, I will call her my stepmom, they never actually got married, but she's still kind of my stepmom to me. And she had a daughter and it always just felt like everyone around me, even her and her daughter had this bond, you know, and we all lived under the same roof. We all had the same family dynamic or the, the same family, shared family space. But it's almost like everyone always had, everyone always, always had a teammate 
and I never really had that I was always I always felt like an outsider I always felt like I don't know like unseen and unwanted and rejected so I just want to say that my dad loved me with his whole heart and he, he still does he always has he's always loved me a lot but we just had absolutely no relationship and then another aspect to that is like this sense of scarcity that was shrouded my life in Durban. My parents always did the best that they could to take care of me, I know that. But at some point while I was living with my dad there, or I think both my parents probably reached the point where they just literally couldn't really afford me that much. So when I was in high school and I was living with my dad, when he reached that point of financial struggle, I had to move in with like other people in our lives. So I've lived with family friends, I've lived with my own friends, parents and like their families. I even lived with my stepmom when her and my dad weren't even together. So I bounced around from house to house. And I'm super grateful for those families that took me in and the people that kind of rose to the occasion and helped support my dad and me at a time when we both needed it. But that whole experience, I don't know what really happened in my life at that time, but what I do know is that each one of those living situations ended with me being kicked out of the house. Um, I don't know. I don't really know why. I um, don't really believe that I was that terrible of a child or a teen that it warranted kicking me out. But it happened to me about three times in a row where the families that were taking care of me would literally scorp me, just kick me out the house and be like, nope, can't handle Danielle. Um, I think that a lot of the narrative or the stories that they said was that I was disrespectful and that I was naughty and whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's not to say that I, I was an angel because I definitely was not and I definitely am not an angel, but if I look back on myself, I really wasn't a bad child. Like, I know that. I know that. I can say that with confidence. I was not a bad child. But somehow that was the message that was conveyed to me and to my dad and to whoever the fuck else throughout that period in my life. And all that rejection and abandonment has left me with this bad child complex that has translated in my adulthood into a bad person narrative so if I can kind of create an interesting analogy that I have for it that I often think about is like you know your inner voice and your inner or your internal dialogue I relate that to having a radio station playing in your head you get very different channels you can opt to tune into a channel in which the beats are like vibey everything's groovy it's happy vibes, it's optimistic vibes. I think that's what we all aim for as human beings is to try be on vibey radio station. But at least for me, my default radio station is a channel I have named and called Kak Radio Station. For anyone who's listening who does not know what the word Kak means, it is an Afrikaans word that means shit. So it's Kak Talk kak 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 malak and the voice that you know the fucking radio presenter on that channel is just out there telling me a lot of really not cool things 
and the record that's spinning in my head is that I'm a bad person or that I'm not worthy and that people are rejecting me and I'm unwanted and that's the radio station that is my default if I'm not paying attention to it. Another kind of weird thing I experienced in Durban and Durban specifically and even mentioning it as a point now kind of makes me uncomfortable because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to explain it properly or contextualize it correctly or use the right words but I experienced a weird variety of racism in KwaZulu-Natal and I think that's a combination of internalized and external racism. I'm not saying that I'm completely free or clear of it myself. I think we all have some racial issues that we need to confront and just be aware of, even just racial stigmas. But I think I'll unpack this deeper in another episode. In summary, it was just this feeling of never being accepted in a white community or as being white. I never fitted into the waspy social construct in which I found myself. I think that bothered me a lot because all my friends were white. Everything around me was like white, white, white. And being white was of utmost importance in the social dynamic in which I was operating. So what that meant as being someone who looks racially ambiguous, who's got like dark tan, dark hair, dark eyes, It basically meant that I found myself seeking a lot, a lot, a lot of validation. Just like, I just sought so much validation to be accepted. And I think that, and as I said, I'm not going to get into like the nitty gritty of this, but I've reflected on this being in Durban and having had similar encounters literally fucking last week. So I'm not taking crazy pills. I know that for sure. But I've realized that this seek seeking for validation and acceptance in a racial segment in which I felt like I needed to be accepted has led, became the catalyst basically for my obsession with being pretty and attractive. And I'll get into that in another episode, but like long story short, I started trying to be as beautiful as possible because I saw that as a kind of veto for any racial questions. Um, which I got all the time. So it's a combination of all of these different elements, the seeking for validation, the feeling unaccepted, unwanted, rejected, isolated, lonely, that I can now see, um, and maybe I've always known as being influential in my behavior, which was probably most of the time quite disagreeable. I did shitty things, like I know that I did. I did shitty things to myself. I did shitty things to others. I would lie and cheat. I would lose my temper. I was aggressive at times. I put myself in dangerous situations often. And I think in general, I was just quite lost and reckless and in a lot of pain. And I was far from being the best version of myself. When I left Durban, I was definitely running away from a lot I think and I think a lot of the reason I was scared to return is because I was very fearful of resurrecting these old versions of myself and what I've realized now is that that's such a lie it is such a lie to have that as a fear because 
there's anything that I have had personal awareness and experience with, it's that when you have awareness of something, you can never be unaware of it again. Like sure, you can make mistakes, you can have lapses in judgment and decision making, but what I know in my heart and my spirit's experience of truth is that your spirit can never unknow something. You can never unknow something once you've had an epiphany or a realization that doesn't just go away. When you have a moment of enlightenment or clarity, you shift or change on an energetic level. And how I see it is that energy never dies. So that change, that shift perpetuates and it keeps going. Can't be undone, babe. It just can't be undone. So now when I look at 10-year-old me or 15-year-old me and 21-year-old me and 26-year-old me, I see all those different versions and I see that I was just doing what I had to do to survive in that moment. And all of those past Danielles got me where I am today. I really am so fucking grateful to them. I believe as well that I was just doing the best that I could at the time. So I need to learn to pack away that judgment and learn a lot of self-acceptance. Because at the end of the day, I believe that we're all doing the best we can. We literally are all doing the best we can. I think it's important to say it again. And that's that I'm so, so grateful to all the iterations that came before me. And you know what? I really like that word iteration. Because being human is an iterative process. If you're related to a creative process, you kind of start with an idea or a concept or a creation and then you build on it, you rework it, you renew it, you adjust it, you tweak it, you play around with it, all of which is just this process towards refinement. And you know what, I don't necessarily expect to achieve mastery or total enlightenment in this lifetime, but I will take refinement any day of the week. There's this interview that Viola Davis, an American actress, did with Brene Brown on her book, which is, sorry, Viola's book, called Finding Me. And I listened to this interview and I wanted to try and incorporate some of Viola's perspective into this because I think she describes it so beautifully. And I'm paraphrasing here, so just bear with me. But in her book, she stages different points in her life's journey and she discusses when she was very little and how it got her to where she is now and in essence what she's saying is it's not who you once were and who you are now that are two different entities or multiple different entities but that all of those versions of you exist at the same time and they are all you and each one led to and relied upon the next in order to exist and have made you and have made me who I am today. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. So maybe an interesting way of visualizing it, this is what comes to my mind when I read over that, is that it's like building a pyramid and that each block is, a, is an iteration of you and your human experience. 
and each one relies upon the next in order to build or guide you to the pinnacle of this pyramid. And if you took all the others away, you would just have one block. So what are you? Are you a block or you're a pyramid? <laughs> I'm definitely a pyramid. And I think maybe before I went to Durban, I would have thought I was just a block or I would have imagined that I was a pyramid, but built of one solid piece of stone rather than multiple different pieces of stone that build one glorious monument. So in closing, and I couldn't help but have this reference jump to mind, is there was this video going around on social media of Snoop Dogg giving a speech when he got his star on the Hollywood Boulevard. Bully. What am I? Boulevard. Jeepers, creepers, girl. On the Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, and he's giving this whole speech in front of everyone. And... I love it. It's the best thing ever. I'm going to link it in the description of this uh, podcast, whatever. He gets up there and he's like, I want to thank me. And he goes into this whole speech that just is in such contrast to whenever someone gets up and gives a speech. Usually it's like, I want to thank my mom. I want to thank my dad. I want to thank my producer. I want to thank my this. I want to thank my that. And no, Snoop Dogg gets up there and he just says, I want to thank me. Oh my God, it's the best thing ever. You have to watch it. I'm going to link it through. And you know what? He wraps it up saying, Snoop Dogg, you're a bad motherfucker. <laughs> so Danny Wallace, you're a bad motherfucker. So cheers, baby, baby girl. Cheers to you, Danny. And you know what? Cheers to you, Danny. And Danny, way in the back. Cheers to you, babe. Because just fucking thank you. If it wasn't for you, I would not be sitting here right now. I would not be here without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That's all I have to say. And I hope that you guys can think the same things of yourself. Just fucking thank yourself for getting you where you are now. Like, literally. Thank you. And that's a wrap, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, 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 that. <laughs> I really hope that my singing doesn't really fucking annoy people because you need to just come to terms with it. I am probably going to start singing more and more on these podcasts the more comfortable I get. So buckle up. As I already told you in my intro podcast, Whenever I come to the wrapping up of these podcasts, for some reason, I just start rambling and I get like super, I don't know, like very just everything thinking at the same time. Anywho, love you guys. Thank you for listening. I hope that this resonated in some way. And you know what? Love you all. New episodes out on Wunstag. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. On Wednesdays, we listen to Time For Us by Danny. On Wednesdays, we have Wacky Wednesdays by Steers. So many good things on Wednesdays, guys. So many good things. So slide into my DMs, but only if it's for dick pics. <laughs> that is not a joke. Only if it's for major, major, huge dick pics. If it's not, I don't want to hear from you. I do not want to hear from you, okay? But seriously, also, if you maybe have an opinion on my podcast or something you want to share, you can also DM me. But like dick pics first, podcast messages second. And yeah, you know what? Keep it real, guys. I will catch you. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace and love.
Okay, this is the last comment that I have to make, and that's just that for obvious reasons, do not send me dick pics. <laughs> I thought I was being funny, and then I realized that anyone could listen to this. So please, I do not want unsolicited dick pics. That was a joke. It was a joke. Do not fucking send me dick pics. Just kidding, dude. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. Do not. Do not. Do not. Do not. I will report you on Instagram. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs>